0: Dolphins fans and welcome into the Thursday, July the 11th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host Travis Wingfield and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we're back for part 2 of the 11-part training camp guide preview series. Today we stop by the running backs room to talk about Miami's best assistant coach, a potential breakout star, and perhaps the best position group on the football team, Plus, we're previewing another Dolphins opponent and the supplemental draft came and went. One player selected, not by Miami. We'll discuss the potential options for the remaining two spots on the 90-man roster. But first, before any of that, as we do each and every day, I kindly invite you guys to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Tuned In, wherever you get your podcast from. Go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review and keep us in the top five in the Locked On Network. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL, the number one follow on Dolphins Twitter, as voted by Dolphins Twitter. And you can check out the show at Locked On Fins. For all of our website updates on lockedondolphins.com, we have the training camp guides. Jason Harina drops another piece on Devontae Parker, who he is actually bullish on this season. And last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts, like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL Podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Let's jump right in. That's another Miami Dolphins. And up first in the podcast today, Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald has been dropping these great six packs of notes Throughout the course of July, and really, I don't recall him doing this or any of the beat guys that basically go on vacation this time of year, but he has been pumping out some great content. You guys can find his work at FLA Sports Buzz on Twitter and, of course, on the Miami Herald. And before we get into... Barry's headline topic about a wide receiver, he drops this note, which comes from Pro Football Focus, one of the most often referenced websites on this podcast and on LockedOnDolphins.com, which rates the Miami Dolphins offensive line as the worst in the National Football League, it says this, quote, the offensive guard curse lives on in Miami just one year after a 2017 season that saw the team's guards combine to give up 69 total pressures. The side lost Josh Sitton to injury and Jesse Davis, Ted Larson, and Travis Swanson combined to allow 98 pressures on the interior in 2018. I'm going to close that quote and tell you guys, this is why I think it's so imperative for the Dolphins to develop or find someone to take on one of those interior positions, particularly at guard, whether it's Chris Reed, Michael Dieter, or whoever else they might throw out there. To go back into the quote, Wisconsin product Michael Dieter will come in and try to steady the ship as a rookie having finished the 2018 college season ranked third overall in their grading system, 82.2, and third in run blocking grade at 82.8. Among guards with at least 400 snaps played, former Bills right tackle Jordan Mills is set to take over the right guard position vacated by Jawan James, but Mills' three-year grade at right tackle pales in comparison to James. He is a 15.4 lower grade than Jawan James over those three years. You guys know I believe that Jesse Davis will be the guy out there at right tackle, but they have options, and really, frankly, they're not that good of options. But we go back to the headline topic of Barry Jackson's piece up on the Miami Herald, talking about Preston Williams and the impression he made on the media, on the coaching staff, on his quarterback, both Ryan Fitzpatrick and Josh Rosen, praised him for his work. They mentioned he made some mistakes with drops, some penalties, some trips to the T N T wall, but he pulled down passes in the red zone with such great frequency. And Barry Jackson writes that he has a chance to join the likes of Devon Best and Dan Carpenter as guys that make this team as undrafted free agents and. have an impact on the football team. And the way I look at it is like this. You've got four receivers who are going to be on the team opening day with Albert Wilson, Kenny Stills, Jakeem Grant, and Devontae Parker. But that fifth spot, what are we trying to accomplish with that fifth receiver spot? Do you want to keep Bryce Butler, who is here for $800,000 this year, a guy that you know probably won't supplant Devontae Parker as that X option, Why not keep that roster spot for Preston Williams and not have to put him on the practice squad where he is then liable to be plucked by another team as long as all they do is put him on their active roster. The Dolphins could keep him on the active roster and do a sort of quasi red shirt where they stash him. And then if you want to break him out and give him a red zone package or have him go cover kicks and activate him on game day, you can do that too. Because the way this roster is constructed, they're going to be heavy on running backs, tight ends, and receivers probably only see five on the opening day roster. So I think you keep Williams there ahead of Bryce Butler if he can continue that progress in practice through training camp and show up in the preseason. All right, let's go ahead and shift into the article up on LockedOnDolphins.com, the training camp guide for your 2019 Miami Dolphins, taking a look at the running backs. And we start this piece off where I talked about yesterday how we tend to gloss over coaching in a way that kind of denigrates their value to the football team. And we start today with one of only two coaching holdovers from the Adam Gaze regime. Quite frankly, the best decision Gaze made in his time here in Miami, the decision to hire Eric Studsville and what a difference he made going from the coke head with a severe addiction problem and I do hope he found the help that he clearly needed to Studsville was a massive change and a massive upgrade back in 2017-2016 Jay Ajayi was strictly an outside zone runner only outside zone didn't want to do anything else there was no variety to the ground game last year they throw in split zone which is a great counter to outside zone where it brings the tight end Across the formation to dig out the backside edge. It incorporated some more man and gap scheme at times. They used misdirection, counter, two back sets. 31 personnel with three running backs on the field. That's where Brandon Bolden's big touchdown run came against the Patriots. They ran it again later in the season against the Jacksonville Jaguars. They did some backside pulling with the guard and tackles and that helped the Dolphins steamroll the Patriots in that game, pulling both Davis and James to the play side of the formation to lead Frank Gore on some big runs. He's one of the more valuable men in that entire building. I'm very glad they kept him there and I actually saw him in the lobby of the team facility when Jason Harina and I went to pick up our credentials for the game he commanded the entire attention of that lobby the security guard the bypassers going in and out even a player who had just been cut was exiting and they kind of had a conversation together everybody said hi to him he was definitely the alpha in the room and he also has a very strong relationship with the guys that he coaches we saw the interaction that he had with Kenyon Drake in that Bears game after he almost fumbled the game away on the goal line and he kind of lost it emotionally on the sidelines there was studsville to comfort him and to be there with him he also has a pre-existing relationship that goes back to his high school days with calen balaj balaj's high school days that is so he definitely cares about his guys i think he gets the most out of this team he gets a high yards per carry average he finds creativity and was able to get this offense going when there was no passing game whatsoever to speak of And so really, just the presence of Studsville in the room gives me the utmost confidence to develop this young running back group, which to me might be one of the best position groups on the entire roster. And ultimately, I think it probably is. And we're going to come back and talk about those running backs on the other side, Kenyon Drake, Kalen Balazs, and the rest of the crew there. But first, in the way the Dolphins upgraded their running game, you too can upgrade your game in the bedroom with Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. So you know, they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever your opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy, and right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when using our special promo code On. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B L U E com Promo code LOCKED ON to try it today for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them for sponsoring the Locked On Dolphins podcast. every one of these midsummer podcasts here in the middle of the dead period, I always start the day thinking, how the hell am I going to find content? And then by the end of the podcast, or by the time I've written the script for the podcast, I always have way too much content, so here we are again, pressing on, talking about these running backs. We're going to get to the Patriots here in a second, and that week two, as well as week 17 matchup against our Miami Dolphins. Let's go back to this running backs room. We talked a lot about Eric Studsville and what he provided the Dolphins running backs last season. Under his tutelage last year, Frank Gore had the highest yards per carry average he's had in the last seven years of his career. Kenyon Drake eclipsed 1,000 yards from scrimmage and 10 touchdowns both first times in his career. Brandon Bolden ran the ball to 11.2 yards per carry, although he barely touched the football. And the Dolphins collectively ranked seventh in the National Football League in yards per carry. Year number two under this guy. I expect even bigger things from this running game. And it all starts with Kenyon Drake, his fourth season with Miami, a contract year, number 32 for the Dolphins. He's 26.7 years old on opening day. They'll pay him $2 bucks this year, the last year of his deal, and he had the big-time playmaking ability that we saw day in and day out last year. His 5.8 yards per touch ranked 10th among all NFL running backs. He scored 10 times despite seeing the football only 15 times in the red zone. Those big scoring plays came from 54, 52, 33, 32, and 28 yards out. I think that his role in this offense really translates well into the James White role as we learned from ESPN's Cameron Wolf that Kenyon Drake was told to watch James White film to get an idea of what he's going to be doing in this new role. I think he's just starting running back your 1A option, a 65 to 75% snap taker and I expect big, big things from Kenyon Drake and the 1B behind Kenyon Drake is the second year guy from Arizona State, number 27, Kalen Balazs. He'll be 23.6 years old on opening day. He has three years left on his contract. They only owe him $2 million. And like Drake, none of that is guaranteed. So if they wanted to cut bait, they could do that. But again, why would they? And I think that this guy is perhaps, he's not the most talented because Kenyon Drake is supremely talented, but he's not far off. He has the size, the build, the physicality, the smooth transition. One of his levels, he one of the things that he struggled with in college was The vision to find cutback lanes but he can run inside he can run outside he can catch passes despite the fact that there was a blurb on the Barry Jackson article last week I think it was where Kalen Balaj has been struggling this offseason as a pass catcher throughout OTAs and in camp just to grasp some of the running back roles and passing game concepts which can kind of be expected from a young player in year number two in the NFL and year number one in the scheme, but he did see that increased workload down the stretch of the season 66 of his 92 snaps came in the final three weeks, of course the highlight play was that 75 yard touchdown run in week 15 but other than that run, he averaged 3.3 yards per carry and there's a great stat from a fantasy guy that he went down on first contact on 43 of his 45 touches that's a little bit alarming, still I think that he offers the Dolphins a lot of versatility as a multifaceted back. He can go back in the eye formation, the offset eye. He can play wildcat trigger man. He can run routes from the slot and from the backfield. And I think that he's going to be your 1B option and a guy that plays 40 to 50% of the snaps on this offense. The number three option, there's going to be a battle for that position between Miles Gaskin and Mark Walton. We'll start first with the rookie from Washington, number 37. He's 22.7 years old on opening day. Of course, four more years on his rookie deal, which totals $2.6 million and guarantees him $90,000 and guaranteed money and if you guys want to see all of these players film studies all the links are up on these articles on lockedondolphins.com and of course we know about Gaskins supreme production back in college the measurables are not eye-popping but to go four straight years with 1200 plus rushing yards is so unique he's diverse enough to run man or zone power concepts and he was a bit of an afterthought in the Washington passing game but he's an adept pass protector he has experience in the wildcat pistol from the gun and in traditional pro Pro style sets. So Miles Gaskin, I think, has a great chance to carve out a niche role on this team before making a bigger leap in year number two. And that leads into Gaskin's biggest competition, in my opinion, for the number three running back job. He's going to wear number nine during camp, but if he makes the team, Mark Walton will certainly change his jersey number. He's only 22 and a half years old on opening day. We all know he plays college ball at Miami. He's got one year on his deal. He's an exclusive rights free agent who's owed 495 k if he makes the team. He had more arrests last year, though, than he did yards per carry, three compared to 2.4 yards per carry, but he returns home with kind of his last chance at a professional career. We know that Brian Flores has a soft spot for players who fight to earn second chances. With the right direction and leadership, I think Walton has an opportunity to give the Dolphins a significant return on a no-risk investment. All things told, I think he makes the team a specific package kind of guy and a 5-10% to snap taker on this team. And the rest of the guys on this roster at running back, Kenneth Farrow, he has a chance to find his role as a special team contributor and number four running back, he's number 34 from Houston, played in the AAF. He's only 26 and a half years old on opening day, but he's more of a goal line hammer. And I think that he lacks enough traits to ultimately make this football team. I think he goes down as a camp cut. And the other guy battling for a possession is Patrick Laird, the rookie from California. He wears jersey number 42. He was a walk-on in college. Again, one of these underdogs that Brian Flores loves. He got a UDFA contract for three years for $1.8 million, but of course, None of that guarantee. He's 24 years old on opening day. His best season was his junior year in college, running for more than 1,100 yards and eight touchdowns. But he's going to have to defy the odds to make this opening day roster. If he wants to find a niche in this league, on this team, it's probably going to have to come in the mold of a Brandon Bolden type, a special teams ace. I think ultimately he gets cut and not invited to the practice squad. And that brings us to the last guy, the only fullback on the roster. He wears number 38. He's 23.1. Years old on opening day from Auburn, four year contract on that seventh round draft pick contract for two and a half million bucks. Like Miles Gaskin gets $90,000 guaranteed. Chandler Cox, and I feel like calling him a fullback is a bit disingenuous because he's played tight end, he's played H-back, he even took snaps as a wildcat trigger man and played some quarterback and threw the football. He's intelligent, he's a throwback player, he's not going to miss assignments, and he wants to inflict pain on the opposing defense. So he's a fun watch. I think he works himself into a role on this football team, something like a 20-25% to snap taker if they can trust him in that role. So this position group, I feel very excited about it. I do think this is ultimately the best position group on the roster. I know Belage had a tough rookie season and those reports of him struggling with pass routes in the offseason, those are a bit concerning, but I think he'll get the coaching he needs to harness his natural ability and I don't count Mark Walton out so long as he can keep his head on straight. And you guys know how I feel about Miles Gaskin. I do expect this team to finish in the top 10 in rushing. They might run the ball more than most teams in the league. And maybe the average won't be on that level. Or maybe it will be because last year it was seventh best without any passing game like we mentioned. And I really, really just trust Eric Studsville as well as Kenyon Drake to have his breakout season this year. And one of the games that they were most successful in the ground game came against the New England Patriots. And that provides a perfect segue into our third topic here on the podcast on the July 11th podcast for Thursday on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. And we talked about the Ravens opening day game on yesterday's show. And today we talk about the week two and week 17 opponent, the New England Patriots. They make their dreaded annual trip to South Florida in week two. It's another one o'clock Eastern kickoff on September 15th. And we went pretty in depth with the Patriots analytics on yesterday's show about some of the things the Patriots do to zig against the rest of the league when they zag. And we know they use a fullback about 35% of the time. I think that's going to be the case again. And I think they could emphasize using their backs even more this year. They added Damian Harris, the Alabama rookie, and he joins a backfield that was already loaded with James White, Sonny Michelle, and Rex Burkhead, and James Devlin. And this team is going to double down on those improvements they made from the analytics side of things. I discussed the 33% of early down passing targets going to running backs, but the one big analytic you pull from the Warren Sharp NFL preview this year is their commitment to short yardage running, 73% running calls inside the five yard line, a jump up from 50% in 2016, which gave them much greater offensive success rates. And nobody runs the ball more on second down and short than the Patriots. And I think Damian Harris might be the best on this team at executing those runs. So why wouldn't we see more of it? That's going to be your primary concern. How do you deal with the backs in the ground game, but also in the passing game? And also, how do you account for pressure on Tom Brady? Because if the pass rush is going to be based on blitzing and running games like stunts and twists and slants and using the scheme to get to Brady... You'd think that he would be able to process it as well as anybody in the universe since he saw this defense so many years, you know, going back 15, 17, 18 years. Although then again, last year, the Lions completely shut down the Pats offense with Matt Patricia calling the shots. So who knows? And on defense, the concerns, I'll be honest I don't really think there are that many concerns on this Patriots defense from a personnel standpoint in the way they attack this Dolphins offense. I think Chad O'Shea is going to know how to deal with those pressure packages, where to attack in the ground game, and find success using the running game, as well as play action, at least in the Week 2 game, because all bets are off in New England in Week 17. We're going to take our last break and pick it right back up right here with our concerns on the rest of the Patriots' defense next on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Linkville NFL at Locked On Finns. I did it again where I wrote way too much content into the show. And so with that, we're going to jump right back in to the concerns we're going to face on the Patriots defense for that week two and week 17 game against our most hated rival in the AFC East. On the defense, they're going to have to avoid Stephon Gilmore the way any team does because this Patriots defense is driven by Gilmore and by Devin McCourty. This defense wants to give a little bit, not a lot at a time, the bend but don't break philosophy. So a diligent passing attack will be the key. The key to winning is always red zone execution, but especially against these guys. Miami did well to score touchdowns down there in the miracle game last year, but you'd think that Belichick would know how to defend O'Shea in the red zone since he was the one that coordinated their game plans in the red zone for the Patriots. And with that, the coaching staff Has been almost wiped entirely clean under Bill Belichick. We know about the four guys here that came over from the Patriots. Highly respected defensive line coach Brendan Daly left to join the Chiefs staff. Craig Shiano, Greg Shiano rather, was hired as the defensive coordinator, but he left the team shortly thereafter. And the Pats still haven't named and probably won't name a defensive coordinator. I mean, it's Bill Belichick, but still it's interesting. And the personnel on the football team looks a lot different too. They lost Malcolm Brown, who turned into a damn good player recently. Trent Brown, the left tackle. Trey Flowers was the star of the defensive line. Chris Hogan, Cordell Patterson, those guys are gone. We know about Eric Rowe coming here. Adrian Waddle was a decent swing tackle for them. They did bring in Mike Pinnell, a guy we had targeted as a possible Dolphins free agent signing. Matt Lacoste will be their starting tight end before Benjamin Watson comes back. Demarius Thomas Dontrell Inman but I think the biggest addition they made was getting Isaiah Wynn back from the injured reserve the rookie from Georgia last season who tore his ACL so will the Dolphins be able to do it again can they take the sixth game in seven years from the Pats in Miami I'm gonna lean towards no I think Belichick is sour about all of his former staffers being here I think they're sour in general about the miracle last year so I'll say it's a decent game a close game but the Pats take it And in week 17 in New England, I'm going to take the Pats in a laugher, as is always the case for the Dolphins up in New England. And let's go ahead and make another quick transition here and talk about the supplemental draft that occurred on Wednesday. It came and went in about an hour's time. The fifth round was the only draft pick that was used on WSU, go Cougs. Safety, Jalen Thompson, he winds up with Arizona. I really wish we had done that with the extra picks we have, but we do not. The other guys in the draft, enter into UDFA territory, the receiver from West Virginia, he signed with Jacksonville, so he's off the board, but the Dolphins did spend some time with an impressive looking tight end with an even more impressive name in Devonair Clarington, and by the Dolphins, I mean Chris Greer, he was the one there on hand for the workouts, that's pretty strong representation to have your GM out there, but the Dolphins have two open roster spots, Kendrick Norton's tragic accident that opens up a spot on the roster and Derval Neto has practice squad exemption through the International Pathway Series or International Pathway Program. So they could sign one of those guys. They have the two open spots. They could sign one of the free agents available. And just checking off this list here, I think Nick Perry makes a ton of sense. The former outside rusher of the Green Bay Packers. You got Devon Godshaw, Vincent Taylor and Christian Wilkins. I think the outside linebacker role will be more primarily the pass rusher role like Charles Harris, like Jerome Baker, Nate Orchard, for instance, Jerome Elliott, and Tyrone Holmes all function as pass rushing linebackers. And that's kind of where Nick Perry falls in. You've got Muhammad Wilkerson. I've talked about him in the past, but I'm going to scratch him off because he's kind of a ding dong and the character issues just aren't going to fly here. And another guy that seems to get passed on for whatever reason is the safety Trey Boston. He played well last year, getting a one year contract with the Chargers. He seems to not be on teams' radars. The same thing happened to him last season, but he's out there and available. I think he would make some sense. Another couple of offensive linemen Jeremy Parnell, he worked with Flaherty, Pat Flaherty, that is, in Jacksonville, though they seem keen on the idea of Jordan Mills being the right tackle with Jesse Davis and Zach Sterup and other guys like Isaiah Prince. I'd have been in on Ryan Schrader, the tackle from the Falcons, but again, they went with Jordan Mills, so I doubt that happens. We're going to keep you guys posted on all these potential moves going down the pipe up to training camp. If they want to go after any of the undrafted supplemental guys... And that includes the Clarington tight end kid. We're going to have you covered on the podcast and the site on LockedOnDolphins.com. And someone made me aware that he was a Texas commit, the Clarington tight end kid, and had drawn comparisons to Jermichael Finley. I tweeted about Miami's prototype at the position, how every tight end on the roster comes within a 250-pound to 260-pound range. This guy's 230, so he would definitely have to be impressive as that f flex tight end guy that can move about the formation. But I think there's certainly some intrigue there with him. And maybe he comes equipped with the top hat and the monocle, given the fact that his name is Devonair Clarington. And before I get out of here and ship off to my softball game here on a Wednesday night, I had a chance to watch a comedy special last night that might be a bit of a divisive topic, but Aziz Ansari's Right Now special is out on Netflix, and I was absolutely howling at the special. So funny, so hilarious. I know people are pretty sour on him right now, and who knows what to believe if he did the things that he's accused of. Not good, but I do think there's probably two sides to that story, and I found some of his stand-up to be you know, okay over the years. It wasn't great, but I love this version of him. He basically perfectly articulated all the things that I think most of us find annoying about political correctness and the worst term ever, wokeness, as the kids say. So check that out. I think it's funny. We'll see if you guys do too. But be warned, he does address the involvement he had in the Me Too wave a year ago. So just be ready for that. But as for today's podcast... I am going to get out of here. We have the mailbag on tomorrow's Locked on Dolphins podcast, as well as a preview of the Dallas Cowboys and the tight end position. And as for today, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on the Apple Podcast app. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review once you are there. Check out the other Locked on Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked on Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your Thursday. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.